Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. Everybody's looking cheery today. It's all good. So we want to welcome you. This is the Global Watch International Call. It's June 6th. 2022, 3 p.m. Jerusalem time. This is the brand new Austria watch. I didn't even think you knew that you were starting an Austria watch, but you are with our very own Chanel Williams leading. And actually this is the, the first Monday of the month. We always have a, just a special time when we're highlighting certain people or certain places. And so we're actually highlighting Austria today, but it's but it would be great to have an, an ongoing Austria watch. And Chanel is from the US, has lived in Bakersfield, and that's how we got to know her, goes to our church. And uh, she and her husband, Gil, are, have for decades wanted to be missionaries to Austria. And so they finally got to go a few months ago. And we just said, hey, don't cut your ties just because you're going to Austria doesn't mean that you're that you, that you can't be part and participate in the Global Watch. And even Chanel is our assistant and works for us. And because we can do almost everything virtually, it makes, to us, it makes really no difference <laughs> that you're in Austria. We, we're, it's such an amazing time and season that we're in. Yeah. And so we want to just bless you, Chanel, and then we'll, we'll turn it over to you. Father, I just, we just are so thankful for Chanel and for Gil and for who they are, for their friendship, and for our, their lives, and um, their determination to obey you and uh, what you've called them to do. And we thank you, Lord, that you've called them to Austria. We believe that this is the right thing for them. And we just declare that Austria is going to be one of those sheep nations going forward and that that the fire of god is coming to austria in a yeah. fresh yeah. way in a way that's never come before yes and so we're just agreeing for that we just declare over uh chanel over you and gill god's favor that his favor surrounds you like a shield his wisdom that you would continually have a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better renewed strength that a day to day the lord would put a fresh anointing on you and renew your strength and just great protection, that he would hide you in the shelter of his wings, that no harm would come to you, no destruction near your tent. We just declare that this year you're going to be settled in a way that is, you're going to, your needs are going to be met. You're going to be really a part of the church that you're in, of the city that you're in, of the nation that you're in, and that you're going to really identify with them, and that you're going to advance the kingdom in a powerful way. We just declare those things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. I received every bit of that. So I want to start us off with a lovely worship song. We normally hear this at Christmas. It is a song that was written in Austria centuries ago. I've been to the chapel there. It's not any bigger than a couple of bench stools put together and a writing desk where the monk wrote this song. So we're going to start with Silent Night. Amen. And that's such an anointed song. 
It is completely an anointed song. I, every time I hear it, every time it's played, it, it, it gives me just Holy Spirit waves through my spirit because what it does is it reflects the DNA that we're going to find in Austria today. It is there. Christ is Lord of Austria. Christ is Lord of Europe. Christ is Lord. He always has been and he always will be. So if I get emotional, that is why. I feel you, Shirley, when you were going through your lessons, because I feel the same way about this. So before I begin and talk, I'm going to throw a lot of information out. I'm, I also have a short video, but here's what I want, want us to really click into today. I'm calling forth prophetic words for Austria. Here is why. Here's where we are. It's a question of identity, and it always has been. So let me get into some of the topics. I want to start with the Reformation. I'm only going to say a few things here, and then we'll go in to more things. So let's start with the Reformation. We know that started in Germany, and it made its way down into Austria, Bavaria. But what we don't often hear about, but we probably know about, is there was a counter-reformation. And Austria was at the center of that. So the counter-reformation was this revitalization of the Catholic Church after this flood of Protestantism from Martin Luther and, and everything that had happened. And they literally, here in Vienna, they pushed out the Protestants outside the city, hung them, murdered them, completely changed the landscape back to Catholicism. And at that time, the and you'll see this in a video that we're going to play, there was a separation between three brothers and one that had rule in Spain and in Italy, and his influence was there. Of course, we know that there's always this political um, blanket that has come so often with the Catholic movement. And we're talking Rome, Holy Roman Catholic. Even though today I can say that we partner and we are friends with Catholics here in Austria. I have to tell, we, I have to tell us that we are because we need each other. So after the Reformation, the Counter-Reformation, Austria, was at the center of that. I'm gonna fast forward. Austria was also at the center of World War I. It was the Archduke, Arch, I'm gonna say this all wrong, Archduke who was assassinated in Serbia. He was that final heir to the throne. And Serbia and this part of the rule under Habsburgs, they were getting restly, restless. They wanted their own identity, just like many of the countries that was a part of the Habsburg dynasty. They all have struggled with identity. They wanted their own. They fought back. They took them out. And the monarchy at that point, after even coming through World War I, coming to an end, really, when the last uh, emperor died, 
that was World War I. And whether or not we think this way, there is a certain fact about World War II where Austria was the center. Hitler was born in Austria. He was Austrian. Austria owns that, but what we haven't seen them own much of is the repentance. So after World War II, there was a big secularism that entered because of this time frame and what had taken place. And already Austria was at the end of a monarchy. Then the Anschluss happened. There was a lot of, uh, a few times there was a government that tried to form within Vienna, a government within a government, multiple things were popping up. And then that's when Hitler came in already having served in Germany. And so there's a tone that says from an Austrian, I'm going to be as gracious as I can. I, I completely understand my colleagues, my co-laborers that I am with from this side of the world. And those that have been the remnant for decades here that I even know now, they would say this in a similar way. The mindset was Hitler came and took over us. But I will tell you that even in the concentration camp that lives in Austria, these things were ran by Austrian Nazis. The church that I actually am a part of, they recently, in the last few years, took over a building. This building, it was a huge bread factory. It was owned by a Jewish family. The Nazis took it, created a Jewish work camp in this area. So now our church sits in this exact building. We, we are hard pressed to take on responsibility here in those places of history in Austria that Austrians also took part. When many of you know what Bethel's Sozo practice is, they, they do inner healing and this is a big movement right now in Austria currently. And a lot of people, when they take part in this internal healing, a lot of them come up with this and that there's forgiveness and, and they have to come out with a deliverance in this area that they were in their family line affected by this because they were directly related. So we'll get back to our timeline. <laughs> our timeline from the World War II, secularism came in. It was basically, um, let me just read this little snippet. After World War II, although Catholic leaders initially welcomed the Germans in 1938 during the Anschluss of Austria into Germany, Austrian Catholicism stopped its support. And later on, and many former religious public figures became involved with the resistance, but then, after the end of World War II, a stricter secularism was imposed in Austria and religious influence on politics declined. So that means that yes, we are a Catholic country, but now we have 
a big wide gap between the running of Austria and the church. And at that time, that was good. Here's what happened in that gap. There's a big need and a big spiritual cold front that lives in Austria and much of Europe. And it is the secular blanket. Secularism is more than just listening to things of this world. It is actually structured like a religion because it is the religion of no religions. I am spiritual, but no God will ever tell me what to do. But I am spiritual. I will try this method. I will go experience this sojourner something and find the Dalai Lama. They will do everything that makes them feel good, but they will owe secularism. You remain on the center of your throne. And that has existed since World War II. Yeah. In a very good way, even as a missionary, we now have people my age, I'm 47, younger, slightly older than me that have never heard the name of Jesus. That's how separate the church has been. You go to almost any cathedral here, beautiful places, empty. Now, there has always been a remnant, always. I, me being here, I am a product of that remnant. Here's why. Just a tidbit of my background, and I know we want to get to praying. I came out of a drug background. I got delivered. Praise Jesus. I went through Teen Challenge. I don't know if anyone knows what that is. The last two weeks, I got called to Austria and it's been a journey of over 20 years. And it's, I could not have chosen my way out of this call. I could not have done it because that's how strong it's been. My great grandfather was a church planter, German descent in LA, Los Angeles in church of the brethren. It's a very low pulsing movement, <laughs> church movement. And uh, this, after the wake of the revival in LA, uh, a preacher came and said, your children's children will go to the nations. And that's me and a sibling that are, are both missionaries. So I couldn't get away from this call. Swedish missionaries were part of the beginning of it. But we know every revival here in Europe, we've been interconnected. So let me just go on with identity and then we're going to play a quick video and then we'll start getting into what we're really going to pray about. So identity is the thing. We're about to see a video that shows us kind of the movement of the monarchy and the Habsburgs ruled Austria and a big empire and were very present for a couple of centuries. And at the end of World War II, many of the countries like Germany and Austria, we were occupied. They were occupied by all of the allies. So Austria didn't even become its own country again until 1955. I want that to sink in. Hmm. 
That's not very long ago. They have struggled. The church itself has also struggled with their identity. Currently today, I can tell you that every major movement that has gone on, and I'm not saying anything terrible, pros or cons, but Hillsong, we've got some following there. We've got, of course, Bethel. We've got Vineyard when they were a thing. Everything that's come in, they've followed. Something to also know, Austria never really fought for much. Their empire grew not out of war, and that's very unique. They married. It's been said that at one point, the sun never set on Austrian rule. That is because they married all over the world and that's where they had their influence, but they never fought, they never conquered, they never took. So there's this undercurrent of passivity that comes from this place. So let's play that video. And I want you just to notice in that last one to two centuries from maybe a little further from the Reformation time, let's start looking at 1600s and then you'll see that drop. But prof, I'm, again, I'm calling forth those prophetic words. I'm calling to that in Jesus name, Sue. I hope you enjoyed that a little. And it is quite interesting. And it was a little long, but it probably gave you a good view actually of Europe overall, to be honest. So just quickly going back to identity. At the very end, it even gave that little quote, oh, oh happy Austria, you don't war, you just marry. That passivity, the, the, there isn't a, a fighting DNA in much of their history, but they've been cherry picked because they were marrying and not conquering and fighting. So something else just to take your view of was how much and for how long Austria had influence on Europe as a whole. They held on for probably a little over two centuries in that big red block that we watched hold tight. And even when we saw that just conquering of World War II, that really, of course, we know dominated the world. But again, I'll remind you that Austria was in the center of that. Many things we have from the arts, science. Did you know that the very first maternity ward to decide to wash their hands was in Vienna. Things like this have come out of Austria. Of course, we have Freud. We had just a ton of arts and there's so much passion. The music that we just heard, there's so much passion. But one thing Austria has struggled to do when those have, who have come to the Lord is to show that fervor and that passion for God. So let me just get into a couple of current events. There were some things that happened in the 1990s with the Pentecostal churches. They did a big March for Jesus around the center of Vienna, which started uh, many decades of doing this March for Jesus. They also had a point where church leaders came together and there was a repentance. It wasn't wide into Austria. It was localized in Vienna. 
very powerful. Something broke, but it was like the beginning of that stirring that started coming. Okay, prophets, come on. <laughs> uh, 2013, we're going to fast forward to that. I was a missionary at one point in between that time, but 2013, this was significant. Every Pentecostal church and all of those that were really charismatic, we, they all came together and became one. And that was the very first time that Pentecostals were recognized in Austria. No longer a cult. So the remnant has been busy and they've been working. They've been following God's leading. They've been doing it with little to no, mostly by faith, because something here is that it's always been known as a graveyard for missionaries because you've got the steel blanket that is, has been hard to penetrate through. So we have these remnants of like vines that just broke through that steel blanket and have grown and the root system has really grown out, but only a few things have been able to break through. We're going to fast forward to 2019. To, there was an awakening Austria that was six years after the recognition of the Pentecostal church in Austria. Awaking, Awakening Europe is a movement. Many of you may have heard of it. They also hosted one here in Austria. Very first time in Pentecostal history in Austria where thousands came together in an arena. We hear this happening in many parts of the world, but it has never happened here like it did that day. Young people, it was charismatic. It was prophetic. They had the Catholic leaders of Vienna come. They, when they went forward, they also asked for forgiveness for World War II. So you'll get some of that here and there leaking through and from leaders. They also prayed for the newer, at that time, someone running for office. They prayed for him. This is what that did. It sent prayer as a topic through every news station, every newspaper. The entire country was talking about prayer. Not all good, not all bad, but it was all talking about prayer. What is the role? Is it private? What do we do with prayer? How dare they do? The conversation was there. And I find that to be a positive.